Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit that bell icon. And welcome to Let's Sip and Talk with Freema. I hope everyone's having a great work week. It is hump day. Yes, it's almost over. And remember what I always say, if you work on the weekends, be thankful you have that income coming in. So don't sulk. Be glad about it. Today, we have a very, very special guest. And I say very, very because Michelle, the computer lady, has a lot to offer us today. Y'all know Let's Sip and Talk with Freema. Through the week, we do interviews where we can learn from one another, motivate each other. And I feel Michelle can do that for us today. So if anyone you know, make sure you let them tune in, share, share, share. But without further ado, let's bring on Michelle, the computer lady, and see what she has to offer. Let's Sip and Talk with Freema and viewers today. Hello. Hi, Freema. How are you? I am fine. How are you doing on this lovely Wednesday? I am feeling amazing. That's great. That's great. That's great. So, Michelle, tell us a little about yourself before, you know, I dive in with all the questions and everything. Well, first off, let me thank you for inviting me to your platform. I really appreciate just your support and your kindness. Now, as Michelle, the computer lady, I am the author and publisher of the Mommy Readers Collection series of nonfiction STEM picture books for children. I'm also a five-year breast cancer survivor. I'm the new manager of public relations for the PIC TV network, and I'm also an instructor. I teach computer hardware repair at a school called Cellbotics. This is a performance hands-on immersive training program for beginners, and I teach them eight ways to monetize how to be a computer support technician in the IT field. Wow, okay, so you do have a lot to offer us. I'm so excited for this interview. So Michelle, before we go into everything else, the children's book. Okay, so what what made you, what motivated you to decide you wanna write children's book, you wanna inspire children? What gave you that direction? Well, it was my battle with breast cancer. I had come home from surgery Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there contemplating as I'm healing 
about what I was going to do, you know, how long I was going to live. And I wanted to leave a legacy of knowledge and wealth for our children. And so I was sitting there. I mean, I literally was going out of my mind. And God was like, stop. I got you. And I started writing these books for kids. And my first book was entitled Mommy is a Computer Smarter Than Me. And now I have a book out called Mommy, What's an Entrepreneur? And the Mommy Reader series goes into making sure that it's the questions that kids have. Maybe not on this level, but, you know, it's always mommy. What is this? Mommy, what is that? And so it came from that place of being a mom and a grandma and being able to fuse my love of technology into books for children. Right, right. I love that. And, and and especially now, you know, on my timeline on Facebook, I see a lot of individuals becoming entrepreneurs, you know, building their brand, becoming their own boss. So that is definitely something in the near future that I can see our children of our next generation asking, mommy, what's that? You know, what's an entrepreneur? I see it all the time. You know, so kudos to you for that. Where can, and I know I'm moving fast, but I have a reason for it. Where can they find these books? that you have to offer us. Well, Mommy Was an Entrepreneur is an ebook and this year as I celebrate 5 years of beating breast cancer, I'm giving it away free on my website. Mm-hmm. And the website is t as in the m as in mommy r as in readers season collection using united s's and states.com. And you go forward slash hashtag ebook and we'll take you there and it's just your name and your email address and I'm giving away one million copies because I want children to know what entrepreneurship is. Right. Now, the wonderful thing about this book, it's about a mom teaching her daughter about entrepreneurship. And it also speaks to the life of Madam C.J. Walker. So it talks about what her and her husband do as parents and their businesses and how the little girl is also an entrepreneur. So it's really very positive. And it's a wonderful picture book. Wow. And that's and that's great. That's something we need right now, because like I said, we see a lot of people rolling it out. A lot of people are doing their thing. A lot of people do have children as they're trying to strive for greater. So this is a book that I can see is beneficial for a lot of us. So thank you for that, Michelle. If you don't mind, I do want to, you know, ask a little personal question. You said five years survivor of breast cancer. Um, If you don't mind me asking and feel free to say, you know, I'd rather not answer anything. How has that journey been for you? How did it start? Like, I just, I just want to know. Well, my mother passed away um, on my brother's birthday in 2013. Mm, so 2014 uh, was kind of uneventful, but right at the end of 2014 into 2015, I noticed a lump. Mm-hmm. But I had had a lump before. I had a lump in my left breast. But it was just, it was squishy. It was like, and it ended up being a benign cyst. It was growing, but it was like, it was this when I found it. And I went to my doctor and she's like, oh, we're going to send you over to surgeon. Surgeon's like, you're too young to have breast cancer. It's not that, la, la, la. And so I said, you can never be too cautious. Right. So we took out 27 benign cysts. So when this one came, I was like, I'm going to watch it just to see. Was it different though? Very. It was different different because this one was underneath and this one was here on top. And I was like, that don't feel right. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch it. But see, I have sarcoidosis in my lungs and sarcoidosis Mm -hmm. creates these granulomas that can grow anywhere. I have granulomas in my lungs. So I'm like, 
I'm gonna watch it. But this thing started growing like real fast. Um, from the size of a pea to the size of an egg in about six to 10 weeks. And so I went to my doctor, I was like, mm, not liking this. And so she sent me over. Now, mind you, I had just had a mammogram the year before. Wow. And so I went over to the women's pavilion and I know the sister over there. And I was like, you know, what do you think? She said, oh, you girl, I call a surgeon because I don't yeah. like, I can't say what it is or not. But the gestures, you need it. Yeah. So, you know, we sisters, we talk to each other. You know how we do. And she was like, you need to go see the surgeon, girl. You need to get that yeah. checked out. So I went back to the doctor's office that same day and I sat and waited till all the patients left. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to be good. I need we we go ahead and schedule the biopsy. And we did. Mm-hmm. And um, I was waiting because it, you know, it took about a week or so. And I was waiting for him to call me that Tuesday because I was traveling to do a, a, a seminar, a training seminar in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting, 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 but I finally had to go because I had to pick up my colleague from the airport in Charlotte as we went and got prepared. So he called me on the way. He asked me all the HIPAA questions and he said, I regret to inform you it's breast cancer. Girl, I was so shocked. I could, I didn't ask him the grade, the size, anything. I just thanked him. And I was like, I thank you and I'll see you on my follow-up appointment. I mean, my mind was just. Yeah. And so that's how this all started. And so now getting through it, I, you know, it has its challenges, but I think it was God's way of waking me up mm-hmm. because I had the sarcoidosis before I've been battling sarcoidosis for 11 years still went back to work, working like a crazy person, this, that, and the other going back and forth home, uh, trying to see about my parents cause they were older. And, you know, I think God just needed to get my attention because I think my purpose and my, purpose has always been philanthropy. I'll tell you a funny story about that. When I was eight and I went to public school, they asked me to be an ambassador for some of the new kids that came because we were in the military time. And I said, okay. And then I was like, I talked to her and I said, Mrs. Bell, I really don't want to be anything with the word ASS in it. And she says, well, what do you want to be? I said, I would like to be a philanthropist. And she said, do you know what that is? I said, absolutely. I want to be rich one day and I want to help people everywhere to have a better life. And she looked at me and she was like, and I was like, yes, ma'am. And I said, I can spell it too. And she was like, okay, okay, I got it. So, and that's how that's always been in me. And so this was God's way of saying, you need to be doing your purpose, living with intention. And I think the cancer was his way of telling me, I need to wake up and pay attention. Right. I agree. I agree. Let me ask you, Michelle, um, with the sarcoidosis, for the individuals that may not know exactly what sarcoidosis is, um, like myself, I know it probably makes some difficulties with breathing and things. Maybe that's all I know. So for the ones that really don't know what sarcoidosis is, can you break it down to us? Absolutely. Sarcoidosis is an autoimmune disease. And what it does is it creates these granulomas that can attack the eyes, the Mm. lungs, the heart, even your skin and your joints. Mine's is pulmonary and joint. And so what it does is it causes these scarring of the lungs. And when I first was diagnosed with it, I was having problems breathing. I had caught what I thought was the flu. 
mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And so when they did the diagnostics, it came up being sarcoidosis. Now, do you remember Bernie Mac and Reggie White? I do. I do. They died of sarcoidosis. Mm. And so Bernie Mac has the Bernie Mac Foundation for the care and the research on sarcoidosis. sarcoidosis. Now, did you know about sarcoidosis when you were first diagnosed? Like, how did that hit you? Did you feel like, what is this? What am I going through? Like, what was that experience when the doctor told you that? When my pulmonologist said that I had sarcoidosis, I was like, I'm not claiming that. I am not claiming that. It's not happening. Right. And she says, no, this is really what it is. And that there's no cure for it. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to get through it. There's no problem, you know. And But they were really conflicted because... Here's what went down in the office. There was Dr. Tangia, uh, Dr. Mendorf, um, the nurse specialist practitioner, Downey, and another specialist. And so they were looking at the chart when I came in. They look at me. Mm-hmm. They look at the chart. They look at me. Look at the chart. They look at the breathing chart. They look at the scans. And they're like, and I was like, I really wish you guys would tell me something because you're freaking me out right now. (laughs) I wish somebody was going to say something to me because a patient is in the room. And so Dr. Tangia said, how did you get here today? I said, got up, showered, drove the car, and walked in. She says, this scan right here says your lungs are amazing, that you have the breathing capacity of a 30-year-old. This scan right here says you should be dead. So what was the difference between two scans? Like, was it a couple weeks? Like, what? No, see, the breathing test you take when you're there. So I took the breathing test that day, and it measures your lung capacity. And my lung capacity is amazing because they're like, they're wondering how with my lungs as scarred as they are that I'm breathing so well. They got you. Okay. Wow. And so she wanted to put me on prednisone, and I told her no. I said, because once the doctor tells me what's going on with me, I sit down and pour into the research on the disease, its origins, how it came to be, how this could have happened. Now, I'm not innocent in this. Mm -hmm. I'm a welder by trade. I've worked in chemical plants. I've done, you know, I've worked in other refits where there's steel smoke and all kinds Mm -hmm. of debris flying around. So there's no telling how I got, how it came to be. Mm. I mean, you know, I've used like cleaning products and all kinds of stuff. So we don't know. No one knows the origin of it. They do know that a lot of African-American women get stricken by this particular disease. I have a viewer, uh, Miss Olympia Johnson said, hi, Freema. Hey, Olympia. I want her to elaborate on her battle with pulmonary sarcoidosis and how she deals with it since I am battling the same disease. Do you think she would want to do that? Would you be willing to do that? Um, just elaborate on your battle with it and, and how do you deal with it on an everyday, um, you know, everyday life? Well, for me, uh, once we got over the diagnosis and once I could start to breathe again, mm-hmm. I started doing breathing exercises. I didn't take the prednisone because it weakens the joints already. And I had mm-hmm. sarcoidosis before the breast cancer. So I'm exercising. I do deep breathing, exercising, and I use peppermint uh, essential oils by my bed at night to help me breathe. I also have a wedge that I sleep on. I don't I don't lay flat so I can breathe. And so Mm. I've learned to breathe and breathe through it. Now, I used to be a swimmer. And so once I got sarcoidosis, I started doing water aerobics again to help me with my deep breathing. I'm 
my lungs, my lung capacity is really good. It's just that my lungs are very scarred. And so like now with COVID was locked down, you know, couldn't do a whole lot of things, but I'm in my office. I have exercise equipment before the show. I was actually on my rebound and jumping up and down. Really? Trying to stay moving. Okay. Well, you have to, the one thing about sarcoidosis is sometimes it will resolve itself or go into re- remission. And sometimes you have flare ups. I've only had one flare up in the last 11 years. And that was because I was outside and we were at a park mm-hmm. and I had been doing a lot. Of, it was, you know, we had the Mississippi picnic in Atlanta. I grew up in Meridian, Mississippi. And so they came to Atlanta. And so I was bringing stuff to the park and just doing a lot of hard work. And I got, my lungs got dry. I hadn't hydrated enough. And so that's the biggest thing. You have to hydrate. And as you can see, I'm always, I drink a lot of tea. I probably have three or four cups of hot tea and lemon and wild raw honey every day in order to make sure that my lungs are functioning. And I drink those um, eight bottles bottles of water daily. Okay. So Olympia, she she does breathing exercises, you know, to keep her going and, and she remains to stay hydrated. Um, And you say you've been battling, did you say 11 or 15 years? 11. 11 years. 11 years she has been battling this, um, Olympia. So, you know, like I said, regardless if you reach one person in a day with your story, or 2,500 people, as long as we get it out there and someone can learn from it and, and, and feel like they, you know, this was meant for me, I feel like I did my job. So thank you so much for that, Michelle. You know, I, I love the fact that you're so open and you're willing to share with us because we don't know how beneficial this can be for the next person, you know? So thank you so much for that. Let's see. Um, Donnell said, what a testimony. Oh, my God. Someone needs to hear this story. Absolutely. I agree. There's a lot of individuals out there that may not know what's wrong with them, you know, may not know that they're battling sarcoidosis or may not know. Check your breasts. You just never know what's going on with that. Um, I had a lump too, Michelle. Um, That was in 2000 and I want to say maybe six. And then I had it removed um, and then it was benign. Then I got another one in 2013, and that was benign. So, you know, I was like, whoo, but it's still kind of scary. You know what I mean? You you still don't know what that outcome may be. I was told I eat entirely too much chocolate, which, to be honest with you, I had a Twix every day. Like, I could not go without eating a piece of chocolate. I've stopped doing that now. So, like you said, it it's just different reasons for different things that may come your way, but we have to pay attention to our bodies. We really do have to pay attention to them. Um, Ms. Johnson said exactly because people don't really know about it. Thank you. So make sure you share it, Olympia. Make sure you share it, Donnell. You were going to say something, Michelle? Well, uh, as far as eating chocolate, you will want to try to switch to dark chocolate if you can. Oh, and it takes, it, trust me. I'm a, I'm a milk chocolate with caramel and nuts girl. I mm. understand it. But at the same time, you can find you can find your way to dark chocolate. And I you, see it says, let's sit. I saw the wine. Wine and dark chocolate is delicious if you get the right. <laughs> really? Time. Okay. Now we're talking. <laughs> so. okay, I might try it. I might try it. Um, let's see. Well, it took me a while because uh, literally I love milk chocolate caramel and pecans 
And so that's my favorite. But they have a dark chocolate version of it. What you have to do is get the higher quality chocolate. Mm, and okay. unlike what we do when we get chocolate, you have to take a little wine, switch it around. You're like, and you'll you'll get it. It took me about two years to really acquire a taste for dark chocolate. It's not my preference, but okay. it's a healthier chocolate for us. Got you. Because when they, it was like, you got to let go of the chocolate. I'm thinking like, oh gosh, what am I supposed to do now? But I did. I let it go. I still have chocolate here and there. So going forward, I will try the dark chocolate with a little bit of wine <laughs> if I have to have it. Exactly. So, um, Michelle, if you don't mind me asking you, and you know, I hate to switch gears, but that's kind of what I do. You know, I like to dive in, get out as much information as you will allow me to get. Um, with your breast cancer, um, and I know you're a breast cancer survivor, um, how did you overcome that? Was there chemo? Was there long sessions of radiation? Like, how did you overcome that? All right. So I told you when the doctor told me, I regret to inform you that it's breast cancer. Mm -hmm. When I got back home, I poured into about 70 or 80 hours of research because I wanted to know everything there is to know about breast cancer. I'm right. one of those people. I'm a researcher. Right. Even as an author for children, I still make sure that I'm giving them factual information. All my books are nonfiction. So they're getting educated and entertained at the same right. time. Now, there are 40 different types of breast cancer for those that don't know it. 40. The thing is 40. So when the pathology came back from the lab and I read the test and it says this and the bottom in small letters that this test is inconclusive. I'm like, so I read it again. This test is inconclusive. Now, the test said I had a triple positive breast cancer. When they say anything that positive, that means you have something binding, uh, a positive molecule that you have that will bind the medication that they want to give you to it in order to treat the breast cancer, which is great. I hate to stop you. When you say sure. binding, that mean, that's a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing. Anything with a positive means that you have a receptor that the medication can bind to in order to help them treat the breast cancer. Okay. But like I told you, at the bottom of that page, it says the test is inconclusive. Now, my doctor, my oncologist wanted to give me chemo right after surgery. It's like, mm. we're going to set you up with the surgeon. It's going to put a port in and we're going to give you chemo. I'm like, no. And she's like, what do you mean? No. I said, no, number one, this test is inconclusive. Because I had even gone over to my internist and said, read this for me because I want to make sure that my, my brain is not going nuts. Right. When we read, it's like, it says inconclusive. So there is a test called the Oncotype DX test. And so with the Oncotype DX test, they can pinpoint the type of cancer you have. So they sent the tumor for the Oncotype DX test. Well, it came back that my tumor was estrogen receptive only. Let me stop you really quickly. Now, is this a type of test that if we don't know that they can do this, that they won't do, or no. this is something they automatically do to determine they don't? They, the, the thing about it is, unless you ask for it, you won't get it. Mm. That's why you have to advocate for yourself. That's why I was telling you, I did that 70, almost 80 hours of research yeah. to see what my, what I had in front of me and also what the medications that I would be taking or something they would give me, depending on what type of cancer it is, what mm. my choices were. 
But that's all in part of being an advocate. You have to remember, doctors, I'm not going to say they don't have your best interest, but they see so many patients that you're just a patient. You aren't Michelle. You aren't Freema. You aren't Jacqueline. You're a patient. You're a patient. And, and, And you don't have a name. And so it's up to you to work with the doctors as your advocate for your best health care. And so it's estrogen receptive. Well, guess what I had read? The NIH had a study for mm-hmm. 10 years of women that had estrogen receptive breast cancers. Guess what? 75% of them did not require chemotherapy and found out that chemotherapy did nothing for estrogen receptive tumors. Nothing. Zero. Zero. And so I told my doctor no to the chemo. I said, not taking it. And so I showed her the study and she's like, well, I'll give you five years to live. I said, well, it's whatever God gives me. Right. right. You can't speak on my life. You're a doctor. And I understood what she was coming from because her mother had died of breast cancer. And so it was personal. But sometimes for a doctor that's in the field, and has that type of mission, sometimes they get blinded by what happened to them. They get blinded by their own trauma. Right. And so even my internist, my internist, Dr. Brown, she was pissed. She was like, you didn't take the chemo, la, la, la. Like, I'm not taking it. And so the study came out after this. And so when I went back to the doctor's office, and I, I used to take my little tablet with me. I was like, here's the study, da, 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 da. And now this article is in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. This came out in the New York Times in 2016. And so not vindication more so, but knowing that I was paying attention. Right. Because I would have spent literally hundreds of thousands of dollars on chemo mm-hmm. that would have wrecked my body mm. and wouldn't have done anything for the estrogen receptive cancer. So, so Michelle, and and again, remember, you don't have to answer. What now? Like, what happens now? What are you doing now? Like, as far as this breast cancer go, when you say are you survivor, is is it over and done with? Like, tell me about that. Well, I took my last pill. I was on a Remedex for five years. That's the maintenance medication. Because what that does is it tamps down the the production of estrogen in my body. When they say estrogen, I'm overproducing it which is causing these tumors to grow. Mm. And so took Arimidex for five years. Um, that was arduous because Arimidex makes it feel like somebody's beating you with a bat on all your joints. Literally, um, I have severe arthritis from the Arimidex, but I'm still here. I'm still standing. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of the reasons I have to move and I have to make sure I'm walking. Yeah, true. Uh, to the fact that I had a hip fracture in 2019. And not a little hip fracture. I broke the acetabulum. And that is the hip socket. I broke a 40% piece out. I fell in a parking deck in Atlanta. Mm. And so those kinds of things. And so it makes those, it literally attacks those joints. And so with the sarcoidosis attacking my joints and taking the Remedex, I was in a lot of pain. Right. So my doctor was like, she wanted me to take two more years of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, she's I was like, no, she wanted to take five more years. But again, I went back and it's like, 
I said, I need a break because I want them to clean up the spurs on my, on my, my spine. Mm-hmm. I literally have bone spurs on my spine. I mean, when I, you can hear it. And so I want them to clean that up before I even consider taking more medication. But I right. took my last pill and I have taken my last scan. I took my scans last month. I'm scheduled for telehealth at the end of the month mm-hmm. to tell me what the scans say. Whole body scan. They put the radiation in you and they, they right. check and they check to see if there's tumors anywhere else. Because this is one thing I want everybody to listen to. And I want you to hear it really, really clearly. Breast cancer can show up in any part of your body, not just your breast. Wow. <laughs> and a lot of times women have that have breast cancer, they've had a, what we call a reoccurrence. It has come back right. somewhere. It could come back in the chest wall. It could come back above your ribs. It come in your back, your arm. So there's a lot to know about breast cancer. And that's why we have to be vigilant about knowing our bodies. Right. Absolutely. Wow. So I learned a lot of things today. You know, you automatically assume you think you know it all because it's breast cancer. So you automatically assume in, in your breast. I, I would have never thought, you know, that it could be in other areas of your body, you know. And also some men may not know. And correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, that men can get breast cancer as well. Is that is that right? That is correct. You, everybody knows who Richard Roundtree is, right? Shaft. The original Shaft, the movies Shaft. Everybody's used to Samuel L. Jackson playing Shaft. Okay. Oh, Shaft. Okay. Okay. The original Shaft was Richard Roundtree, and he had breast cancer. Mm. And the only thing about when men get breast cancer, there's a stigma around men and breast cancer that we need to advocate for our brothers. Now, only 3.7% of breast cancers are in men. So they have a low occurrence, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So they also need to make sure that they're checking. And a lot of men, when they get breast cancer, they get it in the lymph nodes and underneath the arms. Wow. Wow. Well, that's the thing, because your breast is from here all the way under, and it extends into your lymph nodes. And that's why you have to check in your arms. You have to check under. And you know that thing where, because... When you when you get gain a little weight, you got side boob. Well, you got checking side boobs, girl. You got to check in side boobs. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. So, guys, not just the women need to check. Like they say, when you're in the shower, you know, just kind of feel around. Y'all exactly. check yourselves too. You know, no one knows you're doing it. You know, you're not filling yourself up, but you need to know this stuff like this is very very important. And again, just to repeat myself, if you know someone that may be going through anything that Michelle and I spoke about today, make sure you share the video. Someone needs to hear this. Someone need to feel that okay. I'm not in this alone. I can do this. You know, do your research. Do your research by all means. Um, Olympia Johnson said, wow, such a good information. And it definitely is. We needed to hear this. Um, I, I didn't expect to hear all this, to be honest with you, but I'm so glad that you're an open book and that you're willing to share that with us and the viewers. I appreciate you so much, Michelle. You just don't know. So once again, um, before we conclude, because I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're a very busy woman. Where can they find the books that you have published for all children? My my books are on my website. And my website is the Mommy Readers Collection. It's T as in the, M as in mommy, 
R's and readers, C's and collections, U's and United, S's and states.com. And you go to ebook. And when you go to ebook, you put your name and your email address in there. And I'm giving away 1 million copies of my new book called Mommy, What is an Entrepreneur? Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Michelle, is there anything else that you would like to just put out there? Anything in general, anything that comes to your heart that you want to share with us today? I do. Now, just let's go back to the breast cancer for one second. Yeah, sure. If you notice dimpling or discharge in your breast, mm. immediately go get that checked out because that can be an early warning sign of breast cancer. And when we say dimpling, like the nipple will invert, invert. or you'll have dimpling in the skin, unusual, or you might have a discharge. Now, when you say dimpling, not just where the nipples are at, but anywhere on the breast, you mean? Correct. Yes. Okay. Because that that usually means that the breast tissue is under some type of attack. Mm, mm. The other thing to think of, too, is um, some women that have breast cancer, it's because either they didn't have children or they might have had um, they had a miscarriage or an abortion. And they might have what they call a buildup of lactate in the breast that was never released like you would when you do breastfeeding. Right. So that's some of the things that you have to be careful of. Wow. See, you see what I mean? Like this is something that I would have never thought of in a million years. This is stuff that people just don't talk about, you know, all the time. You don't run across an individual that, you know, okay, on today's show, we're going to talk about, and it just comes out, Michelle. Thank you. Wow. I, I never, I never knew that. Well, Can you imagine other people didn't know this stuff? Well, part of being a philanthropist is making sure not only am I spending my time and, and I'm doing service work, but I'm also saving lives. And if this can save somebody's life, mm -hmm. if it gets them to thinking about, yes, I need to make sure that I check my breast every month. Yes, yes I need my man to check, you know, under his arms and make right. sure he's okay. This uplifts our communities. It saves life. And it's still a part of giving and a part of Absolutely. sharing. I love it. Yes, you're so right. You're so right. So true. And that's what I'm all about. Giving. I can't give financially, but I can give knowledge through other people. And I thank you so much for allowing me that opportunity to have you on the show to share your journey, your story that I know have helped someone today. I know that for a fact. And that's amazing. Uh, Michelle, let me ask you, and this is something I ask most of um, the individuals that come on and, and share their path with us. If there were the little Michelles out there, you know, the ones that maybe want to write the children's book or the ones that maybe not feeling too well today. I don't know. You know, but what would you tell a little Michelle? You know, what type of motivation would you give them to give them that oomph they need to either go to the doctor, get it checked out? Or either write that children's book or write, write that book that you've been wanting to write for ages now. What type of motivation would you give that individual? Well, first things first. And I, I also help people write because I'm a publisher. I published my own books. Wow. Did you so, see this? Did they understand so, what we have on the show today? Yes. Well, <laughs> first, first things first. Writing isn't like they teach us in school. We don't write in a linear fashion. It's not once upon a time in the land of, that's not how you write. Sometimes there's one word that will spark something in you that, and you, your story is built around it. Sometimes you write the end. Sometimes you write the middle before you write the beginning. Sometimes a title comes in your head. 
pay attention to what God gives you. Because remember, all these things come from God. All these ideas that you get, God puts them out there. And if your, your brain is grabbing them, God's giving them to you and act on it. Don't wait. The richest place in the world and this is not my saying, but a saying, the richest place in the world is a cemetery because so many dreams, so many books, so many stories, so many ideas die when people die. Mm. And so this is the time if you got a book in you, write it and don't worry about how it sounds or how it looks. Just start writing, write it on the paper, use your phone. These phones are amazing. You can use yeah. the talk to text feature. Uh, you can use OneNote. These are things that you can do, or you can talk to text in your phone and start to get these ideas out. Journaling. Um, I also write cathartically. I'm Michelle, the midnight writer. I write on medium. So I do spoken word. All these things are these gifts that you get. Don't squander your gifts. You don't have to wait and you don't need anybody's permission to do this. Absolutely. Look, I'll, I'll let author Shayla show enough say it. She said, powerful story. She writes children's books as well. And she was on the show recently. Thank you for tuning in, Miss Shayla. I really appreciate that. You said enough. There's nothing more I need to say to back it up. Get out there. Do it. You don't need permission from nobody else. Write the book if you want to write it. Write the book if you want to write it. And don't care what the next person say. If you feel it, go for it. You won't know. So if someone wanted to reach out to you, Michelle, you know, for your assistance as far as publishing to utilize your services, how do they contact you for that? They can go to my website. And on my website, it's ask at tmrcus.com. And they can ask me questions. They can set up a time for me to do some coaching, those kind of things. Okay. So I'm always happy to help young authors. My publishing business isn't for the public per se. Um, it is just a way for me to publish, but I'm into making sure that I mentor the next generation. So I want to say on that end, there are a lot of people that are vanity presses and they're like, oh, we'll publish your book, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Remember, you have to own your own ISBNs. You have to own your own, you have to have your EIN and set up your own publishing house to publish. You can publish under Amazon and KDP and all the rest of them, but remember, you don't own your intellectual property. And they also take a hefty royalty sum out of your books when you publish that way. I'm not saying that you can't. Right. I just want people to know what goes on when you talk about publishing on Amazon. So if you're going to share your book on Amazon, make sure you own your intellectual properties and you own your ISBN to your books. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. You've given us a lot of knowledge, Michelle. And I thank you so much for that. You just don't understand. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on and, and talk with us to to give us the knowledge that we need, feed our souls. And that's exactly what you did this evening. And I appreciate you beyond means. You just don't understand. Um, is there anything you'd like to put out there before we we end the segment? And I would I do want to ask you to stay on once we end the live, if you don't mind. I don't mind. I do have a couple of things to put on. Sure. I've written six more books. Oh, wow. I've got a fundraiser that I'm doing okay. this coming year for our public hospital here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Anybody know about the public hospital and they can look up the public hospital. I won't say the name, but 
they're building a new wing and they need $90 million. And I plan to help them raise that in my philanthropic efforts. And I wrote a new book for that. So look for that really, really soon because this hospital serves the underserved. Right. Poor people. I get um, it. Yeah, right. I get and, it. I work in the, in the, in the, um, I'm, I work in a clinic, um, a doctor's office where the underprivileged are able to come and get service and get it. So I understand I'm willing to share, 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 you know, send me the link, send me the fundraiser information, whatever I have to do. I would definitely put it out there because I get it. Definitely. And so that's where I'm at. I'm writing other books that, that will be coming out soon. My goal and my last goal is to build housing for the homeless. That's one of the reasons I'm writing books. My mission is really philanthropic. Mm -hmm. I want to start acquiring land and building homes and not only just building homes, but I'm looking to build a process called CCPHD. And that's the uh, coalition to combat homelessness, poverty and disease in our communities. Right. And through this, this is going to be a three-year three year program for people that come in and they'll be able to get assessed for mental health, sexual abuse, domestic violence. And we're going to, number one, turn their mind around. We're going to change their mindset. We're going to teach, everybody comes in working, but this program will be designed where they're in it three years. Mm -hmm. They get clean and sober, but they also right. work. But they also have money when they get out. I love it. So everything that they do towards work, half of it goes to the program for their, their necessaries, you know, their food, their lodging, right. you know, their clothes and this, that. But the other half goes into a bank account because the other part of it is we need to make sure that people are financially solvent when they come out of these programs. Yeah. Stop putting Band-Aids on. We need to fix the whole person. And the whole when we fix the whole person, that's true uplift. Oh, my God. Yes, definitely stay on. Um, that that was a lot, you know. And and kudos to you, kudos to you. We need this. I got your back in any way I can help. You know, I'm I'm down for the cause because this is this is me all day long. I want to give back in so many ways. I don't know how to go about it in all the ways, you know. But I do what I can. So I, I'm definitely someone. If I gotta come pick up a paintbrush or you know something. I'm here. I have a team. Let's sit and talk with friends and friends. And I know they'll be down to help in whatever way we can. So again, Michelle, I'm, I'm glad we crossed paths. Thank Alan for allowing us to meet. You know, that really, really, really means a lot. Um, Arthur Shayla Shonuff says she's not lying about that. We're just telling folks that the other day Amazon is seriously greedy on, uh oh, where did it went? On the royalties end. See, that's something else a lot of us don't know. Well, the, the thing about it is, and you have to think about it. When we talk about capitalism, they're mm -hmm. using capital, capital or the word capitalism. They're using human capital to make or fund their isms right. and that they're being rich. They're being they're getting uplifted and not so much the person. A lot of times when people say, oh, you're an author or they hear that you're an author, people think you're automatically rich. Yeah. It's not true. And they think, oh, well, they've got money or they're well-to-do. A lot of artists and a lot of authors struggle every day because people have that mindset of they think that they're rich. They're not. They struggle a lot. And it, it really costs to put out a book. It costs right. an advertising. It costs. An, and so I want everybody to think about it. You don't have to. I'm not telling you to support me. I would love it. I'm not saying I wouldn't. But 
I want you to look at the small authors, all the indie publishers, and start to, if you're able, to support them and buy their books. It's really important. There's so many Black authors out there. The reason that you haven't heard about them is because no one's supporting independent authors and independent press. If you're doing these things, you're uplifting your community because these dollars help our dollars circulate. Um, Miss Olympia Johnson said, thank you for the information. Um, Rashonda Mack said, I'm a breast cancer survivor. Thank you for sharing. And and way to go, Rashonda. Keep that faith. Keep it going. You rock. Oh, I'm sorry. My, my little Mimi, she just. She's happy. She's not happy. She's looking out the window barking at a big dog that she can't do nothing to. Mimi's a little Yorkie. Let me hold her. That can't, can't hurt a fly. But oh, she, 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 she barks. She thinks she's a big girl, Michelle. Ah. <laughs> um, she's being disrespectful. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, author Shayla said, "Absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, yes, yes." So, you guys, I thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you guys share this footage. People need to hear this. People need to learn about it. People need to know there are forty different kinds of breast cancer. That's something I, I didn't know. People need to look for the signs from the discharge from your nipples, from the, and I know I'm going to say it wrong. I say indentions. What did you call it? The dippling. Dippling. The, the inversion of the nipple. The inversion of the nipple. Pay attention to those signs. Women tell your men it's not just a woman or, you know, something that can happen to the ladies. It can happen to the men too. Share this knowledge, people. Share the knowledge. Don't be selfish. Share it. Someone can benefit from this. And I got one yeah. one more tip yes. for you. Yes. Number yes. one, we already know that obesity, obesity mm -hmm. and sugar fuels cancer cells. So this is a good time. If you have been thinking about losing weight, this can be a motivator for you. I have been thinking about losing weight, but I can't let the sugar go. I put sugar in everything. Spaghetti, grits, oatmeal. Wild raw honey does the same thing. But I don't know if it tastes the same. And uh, but the thing about it is, did you know that raw wild raw honey does not spoil? It's the only fruit that doesn't spoil. Oh wow! I didn't as know. As long that. as there's not an introduction of water to it. Okay, you're very knowledgeable. I like you, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you so much. I learned a lot. I learned a lot in this 46 minutes. Again, I appreciate you so much. Please stay on. Um, I do have a question to ask you, but I'll ask you the camera you yeah. can ask me any question i'm one of those people it's, I don't look, it's about me so i'm asking <laughs> now this is a friday night when i just be open discussion you know but yeah i'm gonna ask after the camera so anyway you guys thank you guys for tuning in oh rashonda said um substitute sugar with honey and that's exactly what michelle just said substitute it substitute it um arthur shaler said i learned a lot also thank you michelle yeah, I learned a lot as well. I appreciate this. This is my whole goal, and you know, and, and I love it. I just love it. I appreciate it. So, as we always say on Let's Sip and Talk with Freema, peace and love.